This week on the Country Music Media Podcast. I'm going to admit it took me all of about 60 seconds between hearing the news and starting to do the math. When was the CMA Awards? Could he have... Oh, 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 no. Mickey Guyton said it best on Twitter. She said, quote, We need answers as to how Charlie Pride got COVID, end quote. And she's right, but not for all the reasons you're thinking. Welcome to the Country Music Media Podcast. My name is Billy Dukes. Thank you very much for joining today. And thank you if you checked out Kaylee Shore's interview on Monday. We talked a lot about her career and her new podcast called Too Much to Say with Kaylee Shore. Kaylee never has too much to say, and she was a great guest. Andrea Williams last week and other catalog guests that you'll find in the archives include Grady Smith, Kelly Bannon, and Tom Rowland to talk about TikTok. Please do rate and review the podcast. That really goes a long way. And if you could add a comment with some feedback as well, you can do that right there in the comment section at Apple Podcasts, or you can tweet me at Billy Dukes or reach out via email if you'd rather, billydukes at gmail.com. Charlie Pride died on Saturday. He appears to have come down with COVID-19 in mid to late November, was hospitalized in Dallas before December, and then, sadly, his battle ended on December 12th. This is without a doubt a sad day, as Charlie was a true pioneer, enjoying this sort of career renaissance that's really important to older artists and their families for a lot of different reasons. I, I got no reason to think that Charlie was not doing fine financially. I mean, the man dropped all sorts of gold records in the 70s, and if you're the kind of person who trusts those websites that claim to know a person's net worth, you'll find that he was doing all right. Next generation is secure. But it really means a lot to be able to show that next generation what you did. And I think you see this in sports all the time when an aging artist will hold on an extra year or two to show their kids how they did it, or, or maybe even play with them, as has sometimes been the case in Major League Baseball. On a personal level, you really could tell it meant a lot to him to be back on that CMA stage, maybe as much as it did nearly 50 years ago when he took the stage for the very first time. Credit Jimmy Allen for asking Charlie to sing a song called Why Things Happen with him on his 2020 EP, Betty James. And then Garth Brooks teamed up with Charlie for a song called Where the Cross Don't Burn for his fun album. This song is not fun, per se, but it is a really great pairing. Uh, you kind of have to dig to find it, though. It's at Amazon Music. Not the easiest resource to get to. And that's kind of a bummer, but Charlie is really strong on that song. It's a well-written song. The CMA Awards should have been a really nice cherry on top of a good year. He performed his most well-known hit, Kiss an Angel Good Morning with Jimmy Allen, and then he received the Willie Nelson Lifetime Achievement Award that night. Ideally, he could have just rode out 2020 on that high. This damn virus had other plans for Charlie. I'm going to admit it took me all of about 60 seconds between hearing the news and starting to do the math. When was the CMA Awards? Could he have... Oh, 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 no. This isn't good. Mickey Guyton said it best on Twitter. She said, quote, We need answers as to how Charlie Pride got COVID, end quote. And she's right, but not totally for all the reasons you're thinking. That's part of it. The CMA Awards boldly decided to bring all the people together indoors for their award shows, and then they kind of beat their chests a bit about how they are being really super strict with the testing and following all the local health ordinances, as if Nashville was just out here 
squashing this virus. That is not the case. But for the most part, it seemed to have worked. They sussed out about five people who had the virus. None of them seemed to have come into contact with anyone left for the show. I didn't love how they chose to share that information. But until December 12th, it really seemed like they had pulled it off. But then Charlie Pride died, and you started to wonder. November 11th, plus two weeks. Is that late November? Okay, here's what we know. The CMAs did release a statement almost immediately because everybody was on Twitter really upset and accusatory. And that statement reads, Everyone affiliated with the CMA Awards followed strict testing protocols outlined by the City Health Department and unions. Charlie was tested prior to traveling to Nashville. He was tested upon landing in Nashville and again on show day with all tests coming back negative. After returning to Texas following the CMA Awards, Charlie again tested negative multiple times. All of us in the country music community are heartbroken by Charlie's passing. Out of respect for his family during their grieving period, we will not be commenting on this further. It says on top of that statement that it was made on behalf of the CMA and Charlie Pride's reps, all Charlie's team has said so far on social media and in press releases was that he got the COVID, was hospitalized in late November, and died on December 12th. So, your two weeks, that gets you to about November 25th. Yeah, that's late November. Two weeks, of course, being the agreed-upon maximum time for the symptoms to start showing up. Now, we're not sure what kind of tests that Charlie took that came back negative, and Dr. Twitter is pretty quick to point out that rapid testing isn't really all that accurate. And, and that's true, but more often it's reported as being inaccurate in the other way with the false positives. I'm also cu- kind of curious as to why Charlie got tested when he got back home. Uh, multiple times, in fact. Although I, I do suppose to some degree it's good practice to sort of test back in to your social circle or your family. Each layer of this, however, the two-plus weeks, all the additional tests, that he lives in Texas, which is a state that's not really leading the union in terms of COVID defense, it really lowers the odds that this went down at the CMAs. But that doesn't matter. CMA is still taking the L here, even though they very well may have been as locked down as they say they were. Unless Charlie's team says he got it here on this date, there's going to be a group that wonders and accuses. And so far, Charlie's team hasn't said a thing about it. And that's got to be uncomfortable. I got to imagine pretty quickly someone from CMA was on the phone with his publicist or wife or or someone within Charlie's camp and, you know, going through all the thoughts and prayers. And if you you need anything at all, don't hesitate to call. Gosh, what a loss. And oh, by the way, uh, gee, I I just thought of it. One more question. And I got to ask, do you think... Hmm. Kind of sounds like Pride's family is going to be doing a private wake this week. Uh, So understandably, they might not be focused on relieving anyone of those kind of tensions. Two points I want to make, though, and I think both are real important to understand moving forward. I'm not sure the degree to which events that bring people together in this kind of one-off way recognize how long that their window of responsibility actually lasts. Like, this isn't a bubble situation. In a bubble, everyone tests in, chills out a bit, does their job, gets out. 
It's why the NBA and the NHL worked real well. It's why TV and film productions are able to get back to work because everyone's all in for an extended period of time. They have some stake in the game. Their livelihood is on the line. There was nothing at stake for anyone playing the CMAs because you know, no one's getting paid and you can get that kind of publicity in some other ways. Now, this is my point about concerts too. There's going to be this idea that once the concert ends, whoever in charge of keeping the people safe and keeping the COVID out is free and clear. And that's not it. We can't just move on to the next show. You own the next two weeks or the next four weeks. Heck, maybe even by public perception standards, the next eight weeks. And I know that two weeks later, everyone's medically clear, but perception goes a lot farther as we're seeing now. 31 days later, and Rihanna Giddens is saying on Twitter, quote, Do I have this right? Did the CMA Awards kill Charlie Pride? She would later walk that back and recognize that he tested negative afterward. Marin Morris, who was there at the show, mind you, she also seemed a little upset about the possibility of it all, but she deleted her tweet pretty quickly. I don't think the CMA anticipated this. And that shows in their statement, which lacks some amount of sensitivity or awareness, that this is how people are. But beyond that, it's just not helpful. Like, they could toss out some data about how everyone involved stayed COVID-free for two weeks afterward. That'd be really useful. Maybe they offer to double-check their protocols, get to the bottom of this. They could suggest that it's not their place to disclose how we got COVID. This is all true. And this all matters not because we need to figure out who to blame. In the end, that doesn't matter. It matters, and this is point number two, because there are other award shows making decisions about how they're going to do things right now. And they're watching the CMAs and probably having some behind-the-scenes conversations. The Grammys are coming up, the Oscars, the ACMs in April. If this didn't actually go all that well, but people think it did, that is going to be a big issue for the next guy. The degree to which Charlie was responsible for his own actions was also debated and is debatable. And after my conversation last week with Andrea Williams, I see this a little bit differently. I'm not sure Charlie had as much agency in all of this as we'd like to believe. He came up as the only black guy in the room. He came up working twice as hard for half as much. He beat the system, but saying, I'll pass on opportunities like this, that's not in your DNA when you're the only black artist to beat a systematically racist system. Also, I think of some of the things that we've learned about Charlie in the last week or so. Everyone says and talks about how nice of a guy he is, how generous he is with his time, how much he loves country music. And according to Garth Brooks, he's a little stubborn at times, in the right ways. The argument is a little bit like trying to get Grandma not to come see her grandkids when there's a party going on with a spread, you know? Like, you can't throw a party with a spread and a cake and, and then tell Grandma, no, no, you can't come because it's not for safe for you, Grandma. That's not going to work. Grandma is going to show up at that party ready to check out that spread and ready to see her little baby get cake on his face. Virus be damned. So you just you, you just don't throw that party if you're serious about it. But Charlie, he was going to be there. He was going to be grateful to be there. I mean, hell, he thanked just about everyone in the room. If I was there that night, I might have gotten a shout out. I think the biggest reason, though, why I'm far from convinced that the CMA Awards had anything to do with his COVID 
is because of that other thing that happened a little later in November that, you know, everyone warned you not to travel for. Thanksgiving. That, to me, seems like the place to begin the investigation. And if the family doesn't want to say how Charlie got it, this could be the reason. They don't want to throw Cousin Billy or precocious little Susie under the bus as the person who got Charlie Pride killed. That shoe fits all the feet. As for Charlie the artist, it's not really my place to talk about him in that way and to talk about all the obstacles and barriers he overcame. I certainly appreciate it. I can't claim to be an expert when it comes to his catalog, and I'm certainly not a scholar when it comes to how he broke down racial barriers. So I'm going to defer back to Andrea Williams, who wrote a really wonderful post-mortem profile in Vulture this week called Charlie Pride Deserved Better Than What Country Music Could Ever Give Him. Andrea, of course, was my guest last week. And I want to bring that conversation forward for a second because she amended something she said here on this podcast, and I think it's really important to understand it, though. First, the clip, and then her amendment. Um, someone like Darius. I don't, I don't know Darius. I've never had a conversation with him. But again, being married to a black man in this industry, I, I, can, I, can, I can use my imagination and, and connect some dots there and, fit, and, and you know, assume some of the things, even just a fraction of the things that he's probably been through. So, so yeah, I, I tell people this all the time. Your job is to sing or to write music or to play the guitar or the bass or whatever. Let me talk. Now, anybody can jump in and get on this at any point. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be mad at it. But if that is not your thing and you don't feel comfortable doing that, don't do it. You feel like you need to, to protect your space. That's fine. Because, again, to, to the point of the tweet that you read, country music does not pay me. So I don't have to be concerned about someone getting upset or, you know, yanking my deal or deciding that they're not going to get behind me anymore because I ruffled too many feathers. That, that is my job here is to ruffle feathers and to get people to think about things in a way they haven't before. You know, when this whole thing started, it was, you know, with the black boxes, you saw a lot of white people like, oh, I'm listening and learning. And I'm like, that's great. But right. Who are you going to talk to? Come talk to me, because if you're yeah. talking to the one black guy in the room who's the only black guy in the room and also you're cutting his check, he's not going to tell you the truth. Here's what Andrea said on Twitter afterwards. She said, appreciate the love the piece is getting. I want to add something that didn't quite fit into the final draft. She was on Billy Dukes's podcast. She referred to my podcast and I asked her about Darius Rucker and if I thought if she thought he should be more outspoken about racism in country music. And here's where I'm going to quote. Quote, I said yes, but that I understood why he wasn't. It's hard to be the only black person in a room and not be afraid of jeopardizing your position. That's still true, but I want to change my position on Darius and Jimmy Allen, Kane Brown, and every black man that may come next. Charlie Pride grew up in the 30s and 40s in the Mississippi Delta, and he came to Nashville during the height of the civil rights movement. He moved accordingly, and the results of his actions are clear. But this is a different time, a better one, we'd hope. And y'all can't move the way CP, Charlie Pride, did. We are to learn from our elders to do better than they did so that we can go further. Y'all blending in and staying quiet and not bringing in a gang of black people with y'all, question mark, that helps the industry and your white fans who don't mind cheering for individual black men who are led into this industry one at a time. It does not help the people, your people, who need your help. And then she ended the piece with a call to action for the industry. Quote, but I'm not going to act like we don't have work to do too. 
Darius Rucker, Jimmy Allen, Kane Brown, don't let Charlie Pride's sacrifices be in vain. Do the work now, the work he couldn't do, so that future generations don't have to. I got links to the Vulture article on the website, um, as well as another profile about the story of Charlie's biggest hit, written by the Boots, Marcus Dowling. You can find it all at the website, countrymediapodcast.com. Also going to include links to some of Charlie Pride's best songs and uh, Andrea's tweets and her response there. I appreciate her referring back to her comments because I had kind of some of the same questions, and I think the end of her piece in Vulture really answers some uncomfortable questions about Charlie Pride's role. Uh, She compares him to Jackie Robinson. I don't want to say it's an unfavorable comparison, but it's certainly an honest comparison. Uh, Jackie Robinson backed off a little bit um, his relationship with Major League Baseball after his playing career, recognizing that they hadn't done a lot to push uh, the issue of race forward in baseball while he was playing. In fact, maybe the opposite was true in some ways. Next Monday on the podcast, author Emily J. Lordian to talk about the grit and glory of Dolly Parton, her profile in T Magazine from the New York Times. That's earlier this month. She spent two hours talking to Dolly and the story of how it all came together, how she approached it, and her background is really fascinating, especially if you're someone who doesn't believe it takes an expert to write intelligent articles about country music's biggest stars. Emily is a country music outsider, and as you know, I really appreciate that. Later this month, Buddy Logan from Radio Texas Live will join the podcast to talk about what's new and what we lost in Texas in 2020. By the Numbers This Week starts with Billboard's Top Country Albums, where Carrie Underwood reigns supreme yet again with My Gift, followed by Luke Combs' What You See Is What You Get, and Dolly Parton's A Holly Dolly Christmas. Top streaming songs, one, two, and three are all Christmas songs from Brenda Lee, Bobby Helms, and Burl Ives. Country digital song sales goes to Brenda Lee at one. Trey Lewis and Dick Down to Dallas drops from one to two. And Jingle Bell Rock from Bobby Helms is number three. Most added on country radio this week, Take Me Home for Christmas, a Christmas song from Dan and Shay. Your number one country airplay song goes to Big Big Plans from Chris Lane. And the overall hot country song for a 20th week, Holy Moly, That's a Record for Gabby Barrett and I Hope. Big thanks to Billboard for the charts, my friends at Taste of Country for the support for the paycheck, my family for supporting me through all this as well. It'll be nice to see them and spend a little time with family this holiday season. And of course, I thank you for the continuing conversation at Billy Dukes on Twitter and, and email BillyDukes at gmail.com. I look forward to reading your reviews and seeing how many five-star ratings we can chalk up on the Country Music Media Podcast page at Apple Music. You can find us on Spotify, Google, and now Pandora as well. Next Monday, it's Emily J. Lordy to talk about what's Dolly Parton really like. Let's find out together during episode 17 of the Country Music Media Podcast.